conversations and as part of our strategy is to build, build friendships with those who are far from God and pray for them and share a verbal witness, then alongside to have an opportunity like reconsider as questions come up. Well, we've got a guy coming. Would you like to come with me? As we're building these relationships and planning, realising next year, hopefully Dan will be back and we'll let you know when that's coming. However, in the meantime, in the meantime, we, uh, the other strategy we had this year was to uh, give out a copy of The Essential Jesus. And I want to look at that. But first, let me pray. Father, we do thank you for what you did last weekend in our lives, strengthening our faith. In the lives of those who've got questions, who are seeking, and who many of those questions were answered, as Dan shared, we had the Q&A times. But Father, we're praying that you'll do something powerful through your word as we pray and as we give it out. As we share it with others, we pray that many will come to faith in you. Their lives will be transformed and they would meet the living God. So Lord, open our hearts. Help us to hear what your spirit might want to say to us this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, it looks like it's gone backwards. I want to tell you a story, because when I read this, I was, I was really excited. See, God's at work, God's been at work, and God's done some great work even in our city that maybe we don't realize. You can read the history of those buildings on the right, and you know where they are in town, but I don't know whether you know some of the spiritual history behind it. And uh, trying to clean through 40 years of stuff, I came across a research paper done by a fellow student when I was at college. And uh, he, he was a minister in the Wesleyan Methodist, in the Methodist tradition, and his name was William George Taylor. And if you read his story, he went to Warwick first, and God did something incredible there. There was like a little mini revival. And uh, on the first Sunday evening, a remarkable influence of the Holy Spirit came upon the meeting. Many were bathed in tears, and 11 persons came forward as seekers of salvation. It wasn't long before the little slab church was filled and we were compelled to take our Sunday night congregation to the town hall. And so the story goes on. Then he was moved to Toowoomba. And uh, it's interesting reading about Toowoomba back there in the 1800s, 1876. Let me read to you. At the conference, Methodists have a conference, and churches don't like us invite a minister to come. They uh, are sent by the conference, so you're sent here, and then you're told to go there, and you just go. At the conference of 1876, we were appointed, this is uh, William George Taylor, appointed to Toowoomba, which had a population of 6,000 at the time. There were unmade roads, impassable in raining weather, and the people were scattered, Nine years previous, the circuit, that's the Methodist circuit, had established, was established and at, at the first quarterly meeting, there were four present. The roll stood at 24 and in the nine years till Taylor came, had only grown to 49. Then he came, there were problems of a different kind to when he went to Warwick and that he'd been used to before. The people here were well-to-do 
and contented worshipping in their little brick building in the middle of town that held 80 people. Situated at the centre of town, they had a sweet little organ, a little choir, a beautiful carved pulpit, and a nil response to any forward movement put to them. They were happy as they were. Nothing's changed sometimes, <laughs> you know. Taylor persuaded them to have their services in the School of Arts for just one Sunday, being the finest hall in town. In the morning, there were 300 and in the evening, over 500 filling the hall. The collections doubled and the little church never got used again. The people still did not want to build a church, but when a visitation of the Holy Spirit came, the Lord took it into his own hands. A few days after the revival had started, there were over 135 people converted. That was in Toowoomba. 135 people converted. These people were coming from various places around Toowoomba. Hence, the... The revival spread to the neighbouring settlements. In one settlement, 30 miles away, over half of the residents made a commitment to Christ. The revival didn't come like a passing shower. It took a while to come and steadily grew with no special mission or unusual efforts to awaken public interest. The work grew from within and the fire was once kindled, went on burning. They miraculously acquired a two-acre block of land right in the centre of town on which they built. The foundation stone was laid on Tuesday the 14th, 1877 by the Queensland Governor. This is the building you're looking at. Also the Governor of the State of South Australia and the Administrator of British New Guinea were present. Many other notables were there and almost everyone in the district turned up. After tea there was a public meeting such as Toowoomba had never known. With much help from all people of all denominations, the church was built and opened a few months later with the most of the debt paid. As usual, the pains of the itinerant system um, had its effect. They were ordered to move on just as when they were surrounded by friends and the circuit prospering with people being saved every week. Uh, he was a real evangelist and not only was there a movement of God in Warwick but then when he came to Toowoomba and in the time he was there. So the story behind that, how about that? Um, over half the people, I don't know whether 30 miles was from the centre of town to where that community was is probably all part of the greater Toowoomba now and then 135 people came to faith that God did something special I hope you'll continue to pray that God will do something special we do our efforts but ultimately we want God to do something special in people's lives and uh, that's what I want to talk about this morning about sharing this essential Jesus it's the gospel of Luke and uh, I'm encouraging you to read it and to share it, and I want to throw a suggestion out this morning to you, and if the Spirit says, yes, that's for you, why don't you pray about it? If it goes here, that's fine, just let it go. But there'll be some that the Spirit of God say, I want you to give this a go. All right? The suggestion is you share it by reading it. There's a church in Victoria that has done similar to this for the last 10 years. It's now there how they do discipleship and ministry and how they reach out. And, uh, and the question they ask is, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Are you interested? Simple question. I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Are you interested? Little people say no. But you're praying that God would lead you to those lives that he is already at work in. And they will say, yes. I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Are you interested? And then as we do that, little Bible clusters, 
meeting all over the city as we read through the Gospel of Luke, maybe with one friend or maybe with two people and just a group of three as we read the Bible together. I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. And uh, you could give them a copy. Read the introduction, one to six, and then we'll get together next week and we'll just read a section at a time and ask some questions as we go through it. And what we're going to do this morning, to just show how simple this is, even I can do it, I want to give out a copy of this. I'm going to ask whoever Michelle's organized. And uh, just grab a coffee if you want to keep it, just so the treasurer is happy. They cost us four bucks, so afterwards you can put four bucks in the, in the um, if you're able to, or next week, but take it anyway. Uh, we'll cover it one way or the other. So, uh, but if you'd like to keep it, feel free. But I want us to all have a copy this morning for what I want to share with you. And we're going to turn to Luke chapter 4. So I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Are you interested? If you're interested, here's a copy Read the introduction, just gives a bit of an overview, pages one to six before we get together. How about we get together next Tuesday night? And uh, we, just for an hour. And we'll do it once a week, just for an hour. Turn to page 17. Today we're just, for us, we're going to look at a section. Just a few verses there. And what we're going to do is... Let's read a section in three different ways. We're going to read it to imagine it, try and visualize what's happening. Then we're going to read it again, and maybe we can take it in turns to read it. We'll read it again, and I'm going to retell it. And the purpose is to try and remember it this time. And then we're going to read it a third time, and I'm going to leave out sections and see if we can remember what it said. All right? So we're going to read it, to imagine it. Then we're going to retell it, to try and remember it. Then we're going to review it again to see if we can, and I'm going to leave out some parts. And uh, all right, I want you to imagine something. You're, you're my two friends, all right? We're not, we're not 50 of us. You're my two friends, and we're sitting around our kitchen table, all right, at our place. And uh, you've said you're interested in reading the Bible together, and so... You've got to respond this morning, all right? You've got to respond. You happy with that? You can get over that. So we're going to respond. We're going to do what we're going to do as if we were sitting around our table. Okay. Got page 17? Awesome. This is where we're up to. We've already read up pages. We've already done chapters 1 to 3. And uh, this week we're up to chapter 4. And I'm going to read it again. Let's imagine it. Okay, all right. Page 17 from chapter 4 there. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was brought by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days where he was tested by the devil. During that time he ate nothing and by the end of it he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this rock to become bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written in the scriptures, man will not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up high and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give all this authority to you and the glory of all these kingdoms because it is mine to give. 
and I can give it to anyone I wish. If then you will worship me, all of it will be yours. But Jesus replied to him, It is written, You are to worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, stood stood him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and they will bear you up on their hands in case you should strike your foot against a rock. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished every test, he left Jesus until an opportune time. Okay, we'll stop there. Going to read it again, and this time see if you can remember the story, all right? So, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was brought by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days, where he was tested by the devil. During that time, he ate nothing and by the end of it was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this rock to become bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written in the scriptures, man will not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up high and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give all this authority to you and the glory of all these kingdoms because it is mine to give and I can give it to anyone I wish. If then you will worship me, all of it will be yours. But Jesus replied to him, It is written, You are to worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and stood him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and they will bear you up in their hands in case you should strike your foot against a rock. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished every test, he left Jesus until an opportune time. Okay, don't look now at the book. I'm going to read the story again and see if you can fill in the bits as I pause. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was brought by the Spirit into the wilderness or desert for 40 days where he was tested by the devil. During that time he ate nothing and by the end of it he was hungry. All right. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this rock to become bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written in the scriptures, man will not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up high and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give all this authority to you and the glory of all these kingdoms because it's mine to give and I can give it to anyone I wish. If then you will or worship me and all of it will be yours. But Jesus replied to him, it is written. You are to worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and stood him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and they will bear you up 
on their hands in case you should strike your foot against a rock. Jesus answered to him, it is said, do not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished every test, he left Jesus until an opportune time. If this was kids' time, I think this side is one, all right? Until an opportune time. And then some very easy questions. Let's talk about it. What did you like or what stood out to you? Off the top of your head, what did you like or what stood out to you in that story? All right, this is where you're allowed to talk, okay? Sorry? Jesus using the word? Yep. The devil knows the scriptures? That's what you were going to say? Yeah. Anything else? Jesus resisted the devil? What did you like or stood out to you? He was... Yep, encouraging Jesus to hurt himself for that reason. Anything else? What's that to you? I want you to notice very two important things about these first two questions. Anybody can answer them. There's no right or wrong. You're not trying to correct anybody. You're just getting people to read and respond to what they've read. What did you like or stood out to you? Then the next question is, what questions... Did it raise? What questions did it raise in your mind? Yeah. Yeah. He got great power. All right. In a moment, he showed in a moment. Hold the power. Okay. So what, what's a question that was raised? A question comes to your mind. Just any question about what you've just read. Why did Satan ask those particular three questions? Question? Is there a question you have? Why did God let Satan rule over the world? Why did God let Satan rule over the world? Question? Why did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? Why, why did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? Now what I want you to do is don't think you have to answer them all, all right? then get you off track let's just raise the questions we say we're going to keep reading through this booklet and more questions will come but that's all right and if we're leading to we've got dan patterson coming you ask him when he comes but you don't have to answer them all all right we're just raising the question we're just looking at the text all right very good what questions did it raise then what did you learn about you don't have to do all these questions What's it, let's drop the next one. What's it teaching us about Jesus? What's it teaching us about Jesus? God can't sin. He was tempted, just like us, yeah. He's patient. He's vulnerable. He took time to go alone and pray, yeah. He was out there praying and fasting. Yeah. He felt hungry. Very human. So we're learning. What we're doing here is your role is you don't have to have all the questions. 
or all the answers to the questions. Your role is not to be a teacher. Your role is to read together and discover Jesus in the pages of the text. All right? Let them discover Jesus and you're just giving the opportunity. Let the Holy Spirit use the word and ask good questions. You don't have to answer? Let's write down those questions. If you want, we'll come back to that later. But let's just read. What did you learn about Jesus? What did you learn about people? Maybe we'll drop that one because other stories have lots of interactions with different people. This was just Jesus and the devil. So you might drop that question. What did you learn about you through that? Is there anything you would have learned about you in that story? We're imperfect. What else? All right, let's drop the next one. What might God be saying to you through what we've learned, through what we've read this morning or this evening, whatever it might be when you meet? Over coffee at the Parkhouse Cafe. Where's James? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, know the scriptures. It helps you to conquer temptation, yeah. Another one. What did you... What's the question? What might God be saying to you? you need to know the scriptures. Sorry? There's a spiritual battle going on, yes. And then the next two questions, the, the first two and the last two are the important ones. If it's true, what are you going to do? On the basis of that, what, what are you going to do? If it's true, so we've learned that there's a spiritual being called Satan and he tempts and even Jesus was tempted. And how we dealt with that temptation is through knowing God's word. If it's true, what are you going to do? Any response? I know this is a very quick intro. Read the Bible more. That's what we're doing. We'll get together each week and we'll learn more. You know, maybe it comes up about things in their life. Well, the answers are here. And who are you going to share it with? Pastor, who are you going to share it with? Who are you going to tell what you've learnt this morning? Oops. You see... We know Jesus for a while and we're a bit frightened of sharing, but if you're talking to people who don't know Jesus, oh, doesn't matter, I'll tell anybody and they'll probably tell you who they're going to do it. All right, so there are some questions. What did you like or stood out and what questions did it raise? Just get us looking at the text. Then you don't have to use all the questions depending on the story that you're going through. What did you learn about God? What's it teaching us about Jesus? What did you learn about people? What did you learn about yourself? What might God be saying to you? And then if it's true what we've learned, is there anything we should do? What are you going to do? And who are you going to share it with? Read it and share it. Or share it by reading it. I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Are you interested? I want you to take a copy home. Read it yourself through it. These are introduction, pages one to two, overview of the Old Testament, the big story. Then there's the copy of Luke's Gospel, which really focuses on Jesus more as a, his human side, as we're seeing in this temptation. And then there is a final summary at the end of the book, 
which is the two ways to live, what it means to be a follower of Jesus that you'll get to as you read through it. Um, and uh, the idea is we're praying for five people we can give this out to before the end of the year. And I'm suggesting maybe also if the Spirit of God prompts you, puts a burden on your heart, why don't you ask that question I'm looking for after you've read it yourself. I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Are you interested? And we could have little Bible clusters spreading all over Toowoomba. Every member is a minister. We believe in the priesthood of all believers and you're unleashing. Don't try to defend it. Just unleash the word. Let God use his word to touch people's lives. Let's just read it. If you've never read a, a biography of Jesus, why don't you? Let's read together someone who researched it and wrote it within 60 years of his life. All right, you got that? So let's be praying and let's ask the Spirit of God if God puts that burden on you. That's just maybe one way. I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Are you interested? Okay. We're going to change tack for the last few minutes this morning. What we're doing in our Bible clusters is discovering and meeting Jesus as we read the text versus teaching what we tend to do Sunday mornings or very often in our life groups. And, uh, and so this is what I'm about to do now. This is what you're not to do in your Bible cluster. <laughs> I want to just uh, maybe raise some issues and teach us about some things that came up here. As we looked at that story of Jesus being led into the desert, there's some things I thought it'd be good for us to just be reminded of. The need for us to be filled with the Spirit. In the Acts of the Apostles, we read it right through because Luke and Acts is really just Luke 1 and Luke 2 because it's the same author. Luke is writing both of them. One we just call the Acts of the Apostles uh, and the other we call Luke, but if you read the introduction, you'll see they're both written by Luke and it's just the beginning what Jesus did and what he began to do after he went to heaven in the Acts of the Apostles. And Luke uses the term filled with the Spirit in a particular way. And very often we get it wrong as Christians and it's led to all sorts of different aspects of understanding the Holy Spirit in the church. We have tended to see the Holy Spirit as if he's a liquid and you've got a little bit of him or more of him or more of him and you need to get, you know, another zap or another liter of him. The Holy Spirit is not a liquid. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit of God or the Spirit of Jesus either lives in you or he is not in you because that's how you're born again of the Spirit. When you repent and believe in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, Jesus says he's promised the Father and the Son will come and make their home in you. And how do they do that? By his Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And so you were regenerated, recreated, born again of the Spirit of God and you come into the family of God. But then Luke talks about them and the idea of being filled with the Spirit is really to be under now the influence of him in your life. Because if you read through Luke, I've shared this before, he talks about being filled with anger or being filled with fear as to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with fear... It impacts the whole of your life and your body and your, and your actions and your reactions. 
And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it'll impact your whole life as well. And Jesus was the God-infilled human being. Jesus was a human being as God intended human beings to do. Satan knew that he was God incarnate and he was tempting him to step outside that and use his divine power for his own purposes in his temptation. But the challenge is that we need, at the beginning of his ministry, we need, if we're going to do anything here of eternal value, we need to do it filled with the Spirit. And if you've never opened your heart and said, Holy Spirit, would you just fill me? I want to be under your complete control. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine. Don't be intoxicated with wine. Be intoxicated with the Spirit. Don't be under the influence of alcohol. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And just as alcohol and drugs influences you in certain ways that hurt people very often, so under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you can help people. Be filled with the Spirit. Everything Jesus did, his ministry was in the power of and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, just as we are to be. Be filled with the Spirit. Remember we have an enemy. Some people say the devil doesn't exist or the devil is just a force, is just an idea. The Bible teaches us Satan is a real person. He is actually a created being, a magnificent angel created by God, the star of the morning a beautiful being that sin was found in his heart, that he wanted to be God himself and have people worship him rather than everybody worshiping the creator. And you need to remember we have an enemy. He is real. He is real. To understand the world and why something's happened you get to the point you say, there is real evil here. And you suddenly, the Christian understanding is, yes, and there is a real evil person behind that evil. Remember, we have an enemy. Expect temptation and testing. Notice when it comes. Jesus had just had an incredibly powerful experience. He'd just been baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up, the Spirit descended on him like a dove. It was the beginning of his ministry. He was anointed for the coming ministry that he had by the Spirit. And the Father, in an audible voice, spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Wow. After a high in your spiritual experience, be careful and be aware that Satan will use it in an opportune time. He uses opportune times. Sometimes it's when we're on a high and we're spiritually high, we've just had a great prayer time or a great outreach or God's just used us in some special way and then he'll get us that we're just not expecting it. Expect temptation. Temptation is seeking to seduce us to do evil, and that's what Satan does in order to destroy our life. God allows testing to prove us, to strengthen us. 
They're very different because God does not seduce anyone to do evil, the Scripture says. He will not tempt us. But He does allow us to be tempted and sometimes tested in different ways and sometimes that testing is temptation by the evil. And remember Job? God allowed Satan to test him and test, even to tempt him to curse God through his wife. But his response was... And so God was, because God had said to Satan, here is a man who is righteous and who loves me. And Satan was really saying, yeah, but if that's because everything goes good for him. You've blessed him. He's got a wonderful family. He's got a wonderful job. He's doing really good. Everything's going good. I reckon if I took that all away from him, he wouldn't be praising you or worshiping you. Because Satan was really saying he's just a rice Christian. He's just a prosperity Christian. If everything's prosperous, he'll think God's blessing him. But if I take everything away from him, he'll curse him. He'll curse you, God. God gave permission for him to be proved right. See, testing is to prove what God has done in your life. You know, companies, Ford used to have one down in Victoria, not far from us. They have proving grounds. And after they design a car, they test them on their proving grounds and they put them through incredible stresses and strains and different terrains in order to not to destroy them, but to prove that they're ready for the next job of being sent out there and sold. So God wants to prove us and test us and strengthen us because he's given us everything we need, prayer, the spirit and the word, as Jesus said. But expect temptation. And remember, this was not the only time Jesus was tempted. Remember the other time in the Garden of Gethsemane. He waits for the opportune time. He waits for that weakness or that high or that low or that opportunity. Expect temptation. And until Jesus comes back and we experience the resurrection body, my friends, temptation and testing is part of our Christian experience in this fallen world. And then, obey the word. Notice how Jesus responded every time. It is written. It is written. Not so much that he just quoted it, but that he was obeying it. I won't bow down and worship you, Satan, even though that will be the easiest way to get all the kingdoms of the world to belong to me. The way the Father has asked me to do it is go to a cross, is through suffering. So it would have been easier to circumvent that if I get the same results but it was not father's way and Jesus always did what pleased the father and so should we but he obeyed the word well I bow down no worship the Lord your God only him shall I use my divine powers to satisfy my own needs I could turn stone into bread I brought the universe into existence out of nothing but I will obey God's word and trust him to care for my needs. As every human being needs to learn to do, I need to trust God to provide. Obey the word. And all of these are questioning the heart of God. Does God really love you? Why is he letting you go hungry? If God really has a great future for you, why through a cross? You can see faith, hope, and love being questioned in each of these. And Satan's been doing that right from the beginning. 
Go back to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say you shouldn't eat of all this? God's holding out on you. God mustn't really love you. God doesn't really care. They are the questions and the tempting of the evil one. Whenever you start to doubt the goodness of God, the love of God, the truth of what God says, or whether he can be trusted, you can be sure where that's coming from. The enemy of your soul. And that's why you need to go back to the word and obey the word. Discernment is needed, as you picked up, is Satan can quote scripture as well. Although he quotes it out of context and he leaves a bit of, the, bit of it out if you check where he quotes it from. He didn't put it all in there. But just enough. And most folks' teaching comes that way. Happens in the church. It's why different folks teach. They say they read the Bible, but you just take the bits you like. And so he takes this, but you need to see it in its context. And what's the overarching principle? Because God will never contradict himself God will never contradict himself so discernment is needed and lastly that's why we need to know the word that's why we memorizing the word which I forgot to do with us this month everybody did it while I was away on holidays but I've been forgetting and the scripture for this month is that we're learning together, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth, the 2 Timothy 2.15. That's why we need to read the word, think on the word, meditate on the word and memorize the word. That's why the psalmist says, David says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what Jesus did. And then at the right time, the Spirit brings back the word. What should I do here? How should I handle this? And the word comes back. What's God say? What's God say? What's God say? What's God say? But if I don't take the time to hear what God says, that's part of being a part of a small group. That's part of developing a habit of personal devotions, of reading the book together or on your own. And that's why I'm suggesting you read a chapter a day of this if you don't have your own habit set up. That's why we come together to worship and to listen to God's word so we know what God says. So when the tempter comes, we can discern whether it's consistent with what the word says and whether we should go that way or go this way. Know the word so that you can obey the word. Be filled with the spirit. Be committed to prayer and know the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Under your influence every day of our life and every moment of the day. Father, we would ask you to help us to be ready for and not destroyed by temptation and testing. 
And when doubts come about whether you love us or you have the best for us or you're looking after us or caring for us, that we would come back to your word and stake our life on what you have said. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What you've begun in us, you will complete. So, Father, help us to seek you and to find you, to love you and to obey you. And, Lord, put on our hearts, if you want us to invite someone to read the Scriptures with us, to read the Bible with us, that you would give us the privilege of leading many to faith in you as they read your word and discover Jesus. We ask it in his name and for his sake.